Footy Prime, the podcast is brought to you by Tony Bet, official sponsor of the CPL and presenting sponsor of Canada's unofficial voice of footy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Live from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Footy Prime, the podcast with Danny Dicchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Today, we welcome Canadian soccer legend, Julian de Guzman. For myself, Jeff Cole, and producer extraordinaire, Dan Wong, let's get this party started. Well, that's disappointing, isn't it? Usually, you know, the, the, the banter... The taking the mick, you know, the, the humor. That was professional. You sound great. That was but, uh, Chris Dunlop that was, nice. was here nice. last week. <laughs> that, that was very plain. That was very un-Jeff-like. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the effort? <laughs> <laughs> I brought the professional camera, so I feel professional. <laughs> Thanks, JC. That, I'm going to be crushed by this bloody thing, aren't I? Sorry, for those that aren't actually watching this on uh, YouTube, where are we? YouTube. Well, usually on YouTube. No, yeah. Um, there's, there's a metal sign behind me, courtesy Amsterdam Brewery, by the way, which I love. And it's not, it's not attached to the wall, and it's gonna come down at some point and smash me in the head. Just so you know, prepare for it. Oh. It's called Bone Shaker. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, listen, Wes, you heard the exciting day today. We, we are welcoming, um, as you know, a very familiar name in, in Canadian football circles, a guy that just, just missed out playing, but not just Craig Forrest. But also Danny Decchio, just missed out. I mean, your gain, Julian, in fairness. <laughs> Julian de Guzman, welcome, mate. Hey, man. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. It's a, it's a great, great, great pleasure to see you guys again. And uh, this is awesome. This is awesome stuff. Yeah, well, it's been a while. It's yeah. been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You've, uh, you've walked the proverbial football tightrope for a few years now, you know, various yeah. clubs, different roles, yeah. and now a brand new role with what will be a brand new team announced last week, 1812 FC Barry, co-owner. President, uh, you'll be entering League One Ontario next season. I know that the goals and the ambitions go even beyond that, but tell us about the vision and, and first of all, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I mean, it. Uh, this, I mean, we've been in talks with Andrew Wilgus for uh, for quite some time and uh, learned about the whole project uh, through uh, conversations with him. And the more we we, we spoke on, in, in Zoom calls and, and over the phone, the more I began to have a liking for this. And at the time, I was like, ah. No chance like that. That doesn't make sense to me. But um, the, uh, learning him about his vision and what he's done uh, with the Atlantic City FC and the MPSL, um, he had the same intentions to do that uh, for a minor league in, uh, in in Ontario. And Barry was the, uh, the the market that he was focused on. So Barry, for me, not far from where I'd usually stay whenever I'm in, Tor- in Toronto, which is in Aurora. And then you know, just seeing what's available out there in terms of uh, almost a naked market that has never been touched and 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 had the high-performance soccer that uh, they, you know, Barry Soccer, the Hornier region wants. So for us to be able to create that, working with Andrew, working with Peter Racco, uh, you know, super excited that, uh, you know, we could have these conversations again and, uh, you know, hoping that, you know, things turn around that uh, allows us to compete in the 2021 season. How's it been, um, obviously, transitioning from playing and then going into something completely different? I know that it's uh, <laughs> it can be challenging. Oh, yeah. And now you're in sort of the business side of soccer. Um, how has that been for you? Even have you enjoyed that side of the game? Yeah, I, I really did. You know, it's, it was t- uh, a lot of work. I'll tell you that. I mean, I always tell players who are playing, play as long as you can play for, it because you know, once you go on the other side, it's it's a different beast. And um, really and truly, did not know what I was getting myself into. Uh, but um, you know, I think due to the passion of the game, that's the one thing that carried me through all the challenges and willing to learn, you know, new things on on the other side of the line. So. Having that that experience and the, the opportunity to do it with the Fury has uh, allowed me now to you know you know think about the idea of now doing it in, in the Barry. So I learned a ton of things. Uh, had the uh, great support uh, that that uh, you know walked me through the the, the new the new stages in life as a as a GM. Um, but uh, you know it was a, it was it was a great experience. It was a great experience, and uh, you know I, I want more of it. So uh, especially 
being able to give back to the to, to the country for soccer in Canada, being able to be involved in the development of the game. I mean, that's been one of my major objectives uh, post-career, and, uh, and I'm you know, fortunate enough to do it. Yeah, was that always your ambition? You know, obviously playing in Spain, you know, around Europe, Germany, obviously TFC later in your career. Was it always the plan to come back and, and help the grassroots side of things? Yeah, well, I mean, initially I came back into 2009. Uh, you know, time with TFC, spent some time there, and, and that was a whole a whole new chapter in my uh, not just a career but my life. First time I was ever homesick, you know, oddly because <laughs> I spent so many years in Europe, and you learn now a different type of uh, infrastructure for soccer, um, and also just seeing what was happening in in Canada at that time. And we were, I felt we were still behind. Um, since I left home in '97, you come back in 2009, and you would expect. You know our own league, maybe or you know multiple teams, but uh, we just had not even a handful at the time, and um, uh, then went back to Europe and then came back to North America in 2015 when I joined the Fury. And at that point, I was prepared to know what to expect. You know, walking into North America, the culture, you know, this this the way things are operated here, and um, and that allowed me to to really become a part of that club, not just as a player, but as a general manager and learning more about how, how you know how, how the game works on the business side, working with communities and 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 again academies and how to build a professional team in Canada. It's very different than it is in Europe, but a lot of the stuff I learned in Spain and Germany, I mean, the, there's there's a lot of things I definitely apply to, you know, my, my vision and my philosophy of how to grow a team in, uh, in, in Canada. Culturally, we're so far behind Europe as far as the game goes. How do you see that building and moving forward in this country? And we're see we're seeing a, hu- a huge a huge change around in, in, in the game. I mean, you know, you got guys like Alfonso Davies who's who's just absolutely you know making a, a huge name uh, for 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 Canadians and uh, Jonathan David as well. So, you know, there, there there's a lot of people now are uh, are switching on and you know becoming uh, uh, hey we want we want to be a part of this and um, you know that's the that's the thing for Canadians in, in terms of soccer. I mean, we've taken our time. To, to, to get there and you know we're seeing the CPL as well evolve and you know th- those are the things that we all wish we had growing up in, in Canada and it's finally happening so but it definitely takes a lot of those who have been involved in the game uh, abroad to come back home and, and finally give, give that knowledge back and that uh, that experience to, to really grow the game and allow the, allow the game to develop in the country so I mean lots of work that needs to be done that's for sure but I think some of those things uh, seeing you know Canadians holding up trophies and, and doing well for their clubs I mean we, we, we certainly enjoy that uh, at all times so Hopefully, we could do the same for the national team. Jules, you, you speak about in Barry, it's a, a, a blank canvas which you're going to be working with, and I don't know where you're possibly going to be playing next year. But is there kind of plans in place that you're going to have a clubhouse and a main kind of area or stadium linked with the soccer club? Because working with a lot of young players here at TFC, we've had two or three really, really good players from Barry that maybe didn't have the quality to reach our first team but they still needed that step to go on and maybe go on a little detour and then get to the professional ranks and I really think it's a great great idea having this club in Barry because I think it's an area that hasn't really been touched and we're not just talking about Barry but we're talking around Georgian Bay all, all those kind of places up there where there's one or two special little talents that just need a target to maybe say, look, I want to play for this local club one day and maybe it's a stepping stone, maybe it's a career for me in the long run. But again, I don't know what the plans are. Maybe you can give us a little bit more insight into that. Yeah, I mean, this uh, this this conversation uh, started with, uh, you know, Barry Soccer Club. You know, they, it's, uh, it's the Big biggest club, b- yeah, well, biggest club yeah. in the region. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, um, when you look at Rowan Cordell, he's he's been a big advocate in you know, raising the standards now to, to another level where we need a high-performance team. You know, we have a good academy soccer club. We have the fields. We have the clubhouses. Now we, we need to take, take, take that next step. And so that's how that conversation between Rowan and Andrew evolved where, you know, let's, let's create a League One team. And, you know, Andrew's done it before, uh, and he wants to be able to do the same thing in, in Canada. Thinks Canada's a great country. We all know that. But he also sees why hasn't this happened for soccer as well, the way it's done in, in America. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the discussions at at the at the time. Yeah, you're right. Where do you play out of? And that's the thing. I I had the chance to do visit Barry and see the facilities, and you know they have outstanding pitches and uh, they have a clubhouse there, and those are the those are the the, the necessities we need uh, for uh, for f- facilities for the day to day training. Yeah. So working with the Barry Soccer Club using their facilities, I mean that's that's already a grand opportunity. And now where we, where do we play out of? I mean we already had a 
very positive conversations and with, with Georgian College. You know, they, nice. they, they're allowing, uh, I got to see their fields there that they don't even have an outdoor soccer team, um, but there's a soccer pitch out there <laughs> and, 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 and at the facility. So, I mean, you know, those are, those are the, I think, conversations that needed to happen and it hasn't happened. And, you know, now we could talk about high-performance soccer in Barrie and not just having a team now, discovering talents, like you said, and, and creating that infrastructure and, and setting for, the, for a lot of the youth players out there who who have the chance to, to make that jump and get noticed and take off to, to bigger clubs. So it's it's going to be, uh, I mean, obviously important for us to keep waving the flag and say, hey, there's a soccer team here, guys. Like, this, yeah. is, this is your chance. And I think that's what the region absolutely needs. So getting that off the ground and, and then just creating that opportunity is a, and, and platform uh, for that level in, in the Horny region is uh, def- definitely necessary. It's wanted. They, they want it, and we're willing to work on that. So. It's early doors, obviously. You know, you just you know announced this. There's so many you know um, places and, and you know things to, to figure out as far as hires and who's running what. But we still don't know what the season will look like next year. We don't know anything right now. This could change tomorrow, right? How hard is it to start planning ahead when you just don't know what that future looks like? Yeah, I, have, I have so much time now to plan. So I mean, <laughs> that's all I've been doing, um, and that that's that's how this all happened. Uh, we, so we, we 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 there's lots to plan for and and prepare. And you gotta, you get, you have to be super flexible and prepared for all, all kinds of scenarios, right? Um, so yeah, it's 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 hard. It's very hard, you know, not to see a season happen uh, this in the League One for for this year. Um, and you know, they're, they're the, the the League One group they're working relentlessly to, you know, to prepare for twenty twenty one to take off. And but again, it's going to be all the decisions from the, the hierarchy in terms of you know when are we allowed to open doors and allow normal size games of of people and people coming to the games as well. Um, so that, I mean, those are, those are a lot of factors that you have to consider. And, you know, for us to be, to be a startup um, organization uh, in Barrie, um, you know, tons of conversations. But like you said, what happens with, if, uh, you know, certain, certain doors can't open or we can't even have access to the field or having an 11 v 11. So, but I think it's important for now as we prepare, get the, let, let's get our ducks in line. And, uh, and if that moment does happen, at least, we, you know, we're prepared to, to, to step in there and, and make something happen. Where was the favorite place that you played as a player? Uh, I would Spain. Yeah, I would. Uh, when I was La Coruña. Why was that? Well, well, it was my favorite league. Uh, at, you know, growing up as a kid, I was a big Romario fan, so uh, I, I followed him, followed Barcelona, and then super in love with La Liga, but absolutely did not think I would make that that level of soccer. Um, and um, but the moment I got there, um. I think the lifestyle was something that opened my eyes because leaving, you know, experiencing Germany for five years, seeing how they operate, the culture, very different cultures, but in terms of football, both high level. And um, just to see how players in Spain operate and, and, and just the day-to-day lifestyle. And I mean, siestas were great. You know, I, 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 I was like... <laughs> I love siestas as well in Italy. <laughs> you know, and like just stuff like that. But it's a very laid-back lifestyle. But at the same time, I mean, the football was on another level. You're, you know, on one Saturday, you're playing against Zidane. The next week, you're playing against Ronaldinho. And stuff like that for me, I mean, I, 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 I could never go back and say, you know... I was sometimes I have to go back and ask myself, did, I, did that even happen, right? Thankfully, I did swap jerseys uh, throughout my career so to go back to these jerseys. And <laughs> but it was a dream come true to play in La Liga at that level, as especially as a Canadian, and never thought it could happen for myself or for anyone. So, uh, but the lifestyle for sure, uh, it, uh, it was, was very appealing. Amazing experience, obviously football, but and the differences. But what were the major differences between training in Germany as opposed to training in Spain? In Spain weather. I mean. <laughs> that's, that's it goes a long way though right oh yeah it does it, it, it goes a long way but uh, but d- Germany um, you know I, I still think it's the best a, a scenario for any young player to enter you know I, I'm glad it happened Bundesliga first and then La Liga as opposed to La Liga and then Bundesliga and yeah. uh, for, for many reasons and Germany for, for me is, is is the best environment in terms of like young professionals and once upon a time when I was playing there there wasn't many young players, right? It was all about, it was all average age 30, 30, 30 maybe thirty one, um, and you had maybe a couple twenty three year olds at most, and they were considered the young players and the young talents. But uh, it has changed now. You, you see the amount of youth players that come through the, the the club teams and at high levels, and even their national team alone, like it's it's unbelievable how how they've. But if you look back on it, Jules, that and you say you went to La Liga first and then Germany. 
and you really look back at it, that prepared you for La Liga. Oh, yeah. And I've spoken to players that have played in Germany, uh, guys my age, and they said that it wasn't so much the actual football, it was the way players prepared yeah. and looked after themselves. It was way, the Germans were way ahead of anyone else in Europe in preparation, in whether it be physically, athletically, tactically. And you can see all the coaches that have come out of Germany now. And you look at the Bayern Munich uh, coach that has been around for a long, long time as an <coughs> assistant, but he's been through the whole procedure as well. And uh, I really feel if you look back on it, Jules, that probably set you up for La Liga oh, yeah. because you wouldn't have been prepared enough you, you would, obviously you had the talent, but you wouldn't have been able to probably excel athletically or physically. You know? You're absolutely right. I mean that that prepared me to be a, a proper professional. You know, yeah. like the day to day was it was so serious and disciplined, and you know you're learning this from young. And the moment you step into La Liga, it's a bit different now. Relax, you know, hang hang back. But the moment you're playing football. It's it's gone. It's, it's at another level as well. And and Germany, I covered so much ground. Like I was a, a, a more of a number eight defensive mid, and that really got me my, my name in, in Spain, where they call me the, the lungs because I was able to to cover so much ground in Spain. But they didn't really. That wasn't a common thing in, their, in, in most of their football. Most of their football is is, is ball movement. You know, mm-hmm. being being quick to decision making. But in Germany, physically, mentally, that, that, that definitely set me up to, to, to step on that platform. I mean, everybody knows about Alfonso, which is great in yeah. Canada right now. Uh, but there's been a number of Canadians that have gone through that German oh, system. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ton, a ton of them. And been successful. I mean, Paul Stolteri won yeah. the Bundesliga with Werder Bremen, what, I think, 04 or something. Yeah. 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 No, Stolli, uh, McKenna as well. Rob Walt Friend. Friends, yeah. You know, there's there's so many of them that played in the Bundesliga, and you see what they they've become of you know in terms of uh, professionals over throughout their their entire career because I, that that type of culture, I mean, I think it's the best for any youth player to walk into and and prepare themselves to see if if they could make it or not. But that era in Spain, though, I mean, that era, maybe even more than now, it was so star studded. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you just missed out on the Messi and Ronaldo kind of era a little bit, but mm-hmm. I mean, back in that era, you know, Ronaldinho, you mentioned there, Rivaldo, Raul. I mean, my God, these are top world-class names. Yeah. You know, did you ever sit back when you're, you're playing for La Carina and think, man, like, am I actually really experiencing this at the moment? <laughs> my heart's already racing thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's incredible. It, just the, the names that you mentioned, and I used to watch these guys on TV growing up on Soccer Saturday, you know, thinking, you know, these are my heroes, and there you are playing against them and, and uh, even playing with them. You know, and it, it was a, a huge, 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 um, you know, moment in my life to not fail. I don't, I don't want to embarrass my, myself in the country. That's like, what am I doing here in, in the Liga? You were player of the year. I, and that it. happened, right? And thank <laughs> right. you, I didn't understand Spanish when I first went there because I know <laughs> the, 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 the critics and media were just... That helped a, you, right? That not, oh, not that helped me not understand it for sure, 100%. Really? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Jules, when, when we are speaking about younger players, and obviously I keep going back to I'm working with academy players and young T2 players now that are 18, 19, and obviously yourself and Craig went across to Europe at a young, young age. How different do you feel the experience is now compared to going back 10, 15, 20 years ago where maybe the Canadian player is looked at in a different way now? because of the likes of Jules, because of the likes of you, but more importantly, now Jonathan David, Alfonso Davis, who are playing week in, week out, where you guys were kind of under the radar a little bit, where I bet most Premier League fans didn't even know you were Canadian, Craig, and I bet most La Liga fans didn't even know you were Canadian. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even Germany as well. They probably just thought, oh, this kid's a European player, a Dutch guy, or whatever it is. So... Not only that, but also the experience of going across as a young player, not speaking the language. We've spoken about this, about Alfonso Davis, not having your family there, having to deal with adversity of not playing, being a young black player as well in Germany, where there was not a lot of black players in the the 90s in the German league. Just a whole multitude of things that you had to deal with. And we're not even talking about being on the field yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So I just wanted to ask the experience of how different it is now for a young player, because we have a lot of players, their dream is to go across to Europe. I don't think they understand the difficulties of what you guys dealt with back in the days, and still with the difficulties 
presently with trailblazers in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, Craig was a role model for me, you know, he, you know, seeing him go overseas and, uh, uh, I mean, why, what's going on? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> no. Hey, don't interrupt. And sink 12 beers. Craig Forrest. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's also a cool thing, too. But, uh, no, uh, you know, seeing a Canadian and go to Europe, I mean, the options back then is uh, you go to school or you, you, you know, you play was it semi-pro at the time was the A-League where they had the you know Vancouver Lynx and and the impact yeah but, but I mean that wasn't the professional you know idea of my of, of my story like that, that I was dreaming about at the time right I wanted to go to Europe I seen Canadians do it before so I was like it's, I could do it too but back to your point the mental side of that has to has to has to be well prepared before you could even cross that border and yeah. um, and then, you know I look back at some of the things I've I had to deal with even prepare my brother who left at age of 12. I mean, you can't have a conversation today with any parent about their son leaving the age of 12, you know, going to Europe. I mean, those things don't exist anymore. So it, it, it is different and maybe the timing is different, but you guys like, like guys like Alfonso Davies and, and Jonathan David, you know, you could see that they're, 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 they're a different, they're a different character. You know, they're, they're not your average kid that, that's in the streets. These guys, these guys need this to survive. That's the kind of the mindset, and you know that that still exists in in, in, the, in in the country. It's just a matter of how do, how do you nurture that um, yeah. and 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 or correct it because today now a player could wear a TFC jersey at the age of you know seventeen and think he's made it. Yeah. Un- you know, unfortunately, and we've seen those type of stories unfold big time. Yeah. And it's un- and I think a lot of the mentality uh, or the mindset of preparing a, a youth. So it's the hunger. You're the hunger. About. It's the hunger. I mean. This was my everything. I, I even threatened my brother. If you don't become a pro player, you're, I mean, you're, you're dead to me type thing. Like, <laughs> you can't say that today. <laughs> but for, that was my mindset too. I needed to become pro. And I need to become pro. I don't want to go to school. I don't want the scholarships. And that was the other avenue that my parents were, were pushing me towards to get your scholarship and you know do your four years, uh, all, all expenses paid, and come back. And it's like, no, I don't want that. I wanted to, to go overseas. And I've seen it done before through through Canadians. And I, want, I wanted that opportunity just to go overseas. That was my, that was my big was dream. Was there ever a doubt in your mind that that wouldn't work out for you? Or were you so single-minded that you know this must happen? And I'm gonna I was single-minded. It must happen. But at the same time, yeah, you're, you'd be scared that it might not happen, right? So... But you realize that when you get older, when you're younger too, you, you're, you you're, you're just every day is just driven to try to get to where your goals less are. Self doubt, you just yeah, not as much. Uh, but you don't really think of consequences. You're there's no pressure. Time. We've spoken yeah. about this before. When you're yeah. younger, there's no mortgage, there's yeah. no wife or kids to deal with. Well, yeah, you're yeah. basically single-mindedly trying to do what you fucking want to do in life. Yeah, yeah. But there's no pressures or on the outside. So maybe that's the, the mindset you're talking about. And we, we speak about Alfonso. He's come from hardship prior to even going to Vancouver. Well, that's the thing. He's, it's in his blood. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like he, it's, it's hard to compare. We're going to discover Alfonso Davies in, 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 in Canada because I mean, was, where was he born? Was he born in Canada or you know, was he born uh, outside of Canada? And what did he go through growing up, right? Yeah. And uh, Jonathan David as well. I mean, he... Single parent family. Single parent family. I mean, these are these are the things that you you'd have to dissect on some of these players' careers. And sometimes, when some you know, some of these young guys are spoon fed, that that's when I start to worry. Like, yeah. we shouldn't talk about professional. Mm. Let's you know, let's uh, let's too, let, too soft. Too you soft. Look, well, you yeah. look at that too, and that hunger when the South American players, classic, come from yeah. poor backgrounds. Oh, yeah. They're not only looking after themselves, but they're looking after communities. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and, that, and the pressures of that. So yeah, when we talk about no guys going to, to China right. for the money, you can understand that. Yeah, when it's yeah. not just well, about them, it's, their community would see them as selfish if it was just all about them. Yeah, I mean, would you? Go, I mean, obviously, when you guys played, I mean, China, for example, wasn't an option necessary to make make ridiculous money. But is that something you guys think you would have considered if if the Chinese Super League was then what it is now? You mean growing up? Yeah, like just even towards the end of your career. Say oh, you, you could well, have made a move to, to China, for example, money. for, you know, 20 mil. Well, you probably would have considered right? that. Remember Southampton, it was he 30. Yeah, but, but would you have? I mean, if I was at his age for the amount, I mean, we're talking about crazy money. Yeah, too. obscene money. Obscene, going from 2 million quid or whatever to 20, 30 million pounds a year. I think end of the end of my career, I would have 
end of your career. Yeah, but yeah. beginning of my, my career, uh, I said before, I've mentioned before, I had the opportunity to go to Japan. But it, it's like you're a young kid. You want to be in the hustle and bustle of the Premier League or in Europe. That's where you've worked hard from a young, young age to get to. Yeah. And there's no way my dad would have let me have gone to Japan <laughs> and just kind of yeah. fizzled yeah. out of the, the picture of your, the Premier your dad League. dad didn't want you to be the tallest man in Japan? No. <laughs> even for a million... Even, I, I tell him now, I said, even for a million a year back then, Dad, you wouldn't let me go to well, Japan. Well, yeah, that might change the things. Go, hey, Dad, it's five million a year. I still don't his dad was his age. Well, that's bad. Yeah. But, 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 but like you said, like you, you mentioned a, a big figure. And, I'll, and it sounds crazy, but I've never done it for the money. I just wanted to play football, you know, in Europe. The money came afterwards. I mean, it, you know, due to the, the success. It's but, gravy almost, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much gravy, yeah. But, I mean, it's the, the, the passion was the, was the number one thing. Why I, I always found it amusing when you came to TFC, uh, the, the first DP. The first DP, right? I yeah, believe, right? Yeah. Oh, the, the money. But, I mean, coming from Europe, it wasn't that for you. Well, at the, that, at, that the, at the time, the recession did happen. So I mean, in in Europe, in Europe, oh yeah, right. it, yeah. It, 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 it was heavily heavily impacted, um, uh, and uh, a lot of the club teams and stuff. And the decision came down to some of that as well. And mm-hmm. you know, you're getting now close to thirty, so now you start thinking about money. Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to be good? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to continue to live this uh, life and provide and all these things? And so those those are some of the questions you ask at that at that stage towards you in your career. Now, if it was Japan or Saudi Arabia and stuff like that, you know, maybe I'll consider. But you know. To come back home and 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 do that, I mean, like, I was like, wow, that's that's no brainer. That's a no brainer. Was, was it always going to be TFC if you're going to come back at that point? Or oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was it was only, it was only I, I I the moment TFC that came around 2007. It's like yeah, I I would love to play for these guys one day mm-hmm. if I if I came back. You know, and so how was it negotiating with Mo? <laughs> <laughs> It was actually, uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was interesting. It was interesting. Bus pass? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. I've got to ask you what this now question. he's on that side of things. Uh, yeah, no like, kidding. Yeah. President. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Are the was there a, Was there a case of champagne mentioned? Was, was that? Yeah, yeah, champagne. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> Every of Every bar or club that Jules walked into, there was yeah, a, a, a crate yeah. of champagne, which was the <clears> But he had to pay for it. Ludicrous rumor that was being spread it's around. It's a great town. rumor. I love it. Yeah, that's yeah, very very weird champagne. <laughs> <laughs> if it was wine, maybe different, but yeah. Uh, um, but no, it was. It's it's now that I look at it, it's, it's it's very interesting how those things unfold. And you you start, and I knew kind of the conversations that were happening where. I was presented to be a goal scorer, you know. I remember the first time I interviewed you, you said, yeah, they think I'm an attacking player. In the contract, you get to score goals. I'm like, I never had this before. (laughs) You had a great Gold Cup, though, that's why, right? (laughs) Well, that's, yeah, I had a good Gold Cup. I I, I scored a a couple goals with the national team, and and then at the the time, people are thinking, this guy could score goals. (laughs) Meanwhile, in Europe, I don't, I I really score goals. I scored one goal with La Coruña in over 100 games. It's just not your role. It's not your job. Not, Not my role, and, um, but again, and then you, and then you also you learn how it works in North America, where you, you know, some of the players you play with are coming out of colleges, and they're they're, they're signing professionals for the first time at the age of twenty three. I'm like, hmm, that's a, that's curious. Yeah, <laughs> twenty three. Yeah. Yeah, you're, so, you're a veteran in Europe at twenty three. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You should have a hundred games plus. And so it was, it was, MLS was much different than 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 it was um, uh, those those days. But um, nevertheless, the the opportunity to to have played for your hometown as a DP player. I mean. I would never, I never regret that ever. You know, that's that, that's still a dream. But, but at the same time, I need to be better prepared next time that happens. Or right. that, and that's what I did with Ottawa. And you walk into TFC, and and on the coaching staff is Danny Dicchio. Yeah, club man. legend. <laughs> club well, legend. Learning his coaching stripes at the same time. It was interesting how things unfolded because Jules mentions it a little bit there. It was kind of the negotiations were very, very weird. Put it that way. And so I, Mo did all the negotiations. Mo did well, all Mo, the negotiations. Well, yeah, yeah, he did. He approached me after the Gold Cup '09 um, in July, and uh, he already had an agent for me too to talk to. You know, so I thought that was awesome. I was like, "Wait, you got an agent as well?" Um, <laughs> yeah, of course he does. Does it sound like Mo? <laughs> That, that, was, that, was like, <laughs> that was Barry McLean, right? No, uh, it was it was Andreas. It was actually a guy from Germany. Okay. Um, but uh, no, it, that, that was when we started the, the, the first conversation, and I still wanted to play in Europe. I thought, you know, there was a couple offers on the table. Let, let's see where the, these offers go. And um, PSV, Benfica, um, uh, Spaniel, the, Span- the teams in Spain, they thought I had a European passport. Right. They didn't realize I was a foreigner. 
and there's there's a certain amount like of spots. Saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's only like three three spots you're allowed to have uh, for, for, the, for, the, yeah. for foreigners on the game sheet, and then you could register up to five. So I was one of those guys that, guys that took that spot because normally it's Brazilians and, and South, you know, the guys from South America or top players, but a Canadian to do that, I was like, well, that's great. But then they didn't realize they thought I was Dutch or I had a Dutch passport because of my brother. Uh, but uh, so the, the ones in Spain were tough to, to, to kind of go back into, and Alacrimio did offer me a, a contract extension for five years. So I, I had the opportunity to stay in Europe, but at that time, when you see TFC now giving you the best offer at, uh, on the table, I'm like, okay, now this this is actually quite interesting. So then, the uh, the talk started again in September, uh, and uh, they flew me out there, uh, or flew me to, to Toronto, and we spent about a week, and then. You know, they they were able to accommodate more than what I expected or wanted. <laughs> how long how long was you out of Canada for, Jules? Like uh, before have I came, you been away? Yeah, uh, since ninety seven. Since ninety seven. So yeah, so you, you, almost you really grew up outside of Canada. Oh yeah, it, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixteen. So. I left at fifteen. Went to Holland. Uh, didn't make didn't make it there. Then went back again sixteen to, to France, and that was it. I Could s- you have got your Dutch passport? No, I have no ties to Holland. Right. We have no ties. My brother got it because he lived there. For five years or something? Yeah, for five years. Yeah. So he had to give up his Canadian and then uh, take right. the Dutch. But, um, yeah, the only there was a time towards the end of my contract in, in La Coruña. They, I guess they wanted me to get a European passport. And, um, you know, they, they were looking at options of meeting a, a special someone in, in Portugal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> really? Get married? Yeah. Get married and... No, 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 arranged marriage? <laughs> but, uh... A bad thing. An arranged marriage? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Could have been. That's great. You're wow. right, though, yeah. Jispo. When you don't, like, you live over there for so long about not thinking even that you're Canadian, like, was yeah. in the Premier League started in 92. I got there in 84. Yeah. So I've been there for eight years. Wow. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're one of the first foreigners to play in the Premier League. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, <that's- laughs> it was, what, 13 of you, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't that, first, that first yeah, season? Yeah, 13, yeah. That's only 13. So you, you don't have a du- dual? Do you have, you have a British passport? No? Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. 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 yeah that's, I don't have that. I, didn't, I don't have a French, German, Spanish. How did you get your work permit? In, in, the, in, in where? Well, in Spain or in Anywhere? Germany. Oh, you just just, just I mean, I was, a, I was a foreigner. I just applied applied for residence. Right. So you're just playing as a foreigner. I was a, okay. just playing as a, as a foreigner the whole, my my whole career right. in Europe. See, I didn't have that just because of, if your grandparents yeah were born born yet. Yeah. And there's something if you if you played a number of times your country your national seventy five percent of your net. Is, is that what it is? When, if you're going over young, you're, you're not even involved. Yeah, you're not most involved. Of, most of us that played on the national team, their lines to their career are are similar in ways that. And nothing to do with the CSA. Mm-hmm. It's usually individuals or parents that are helping you take that step and needing that to get there in the first place. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really no help at all. It, no. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, it just it was it was my birthday money that I've collected since I was a kid that got my plane, my plane ticket to Europe. Yeah. You know, right? That's, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well. then and then you go to Europe and see what happens, right? Yeah. And uh, um, but yeah, it's uh, man, it's scary actually just thinking about that. Yeah, yeah I think about your kids now. You're like sending them over at such a young age. I mean, I'm not sending my, I'm not, I'm not sending my kids anywhere, man. They're yeah. staying here in Canada, right? Like. <laughs> at the moment, especially. Yeah. Do you ever say to your parents, "What the hell are you thinking?" Yeah. Jesus, no, I was like child. No, it was too much fun. <laughs> yeah, but not too many regrets, I bet. No, 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 no. no. It's uh, but even I got my my boy, my my son, my 12 year old who uh, who's playing right now. I mean, just watching him grow up in growing up in the German system is like that could only happen if you were born in there. You know, I, I it's very hard for me to see today. You know, my daughter, who you know, or my son in Canada, send them out to Europe on their own. Like, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm, I mean, by the time we were twenty, very, you felt like your generation has changed. It has changed. It certainly has. It's not that they've become softer kids these days, and I hate, I hated when older people used to say that about us when we were younger. Yeah, but I just feel that we've molly cuddled our children in protecting them a lot more than. What our parents did when we were younger, we, yeah, I was on the street playing, or I was like generational. Yeah. I mean, come back it? when dinner. Was you had your goal of boots on. <laughs> yeah, my goal of boots on. I was being a little toe rag around the, the estate wherever I was. It was just I was just being a kid. Yeah. But our, our parents come in kind of post post war as well, right? You know, yeah. they're a little bit young to be remember much about the war in most cases, right? But they're post war. It's a harder society. 
I think they grew mm. up in, right? And as such, yeah. we were a little bit harder than perhaps our kids are now. Because I mean, I'll protect my kid. Yeah, like, sure. she can't do anything without me, you know, hovering around her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Poor kid. Yeah, right? no, it's, yeah. It's, she's it's only got like a couple of years. Going to kick her out, so better prepare for that. <laughs> She'll be in the, in the factory. <laughs> She'll be in the factory working. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to you said Romario was your favorite player growing up. Okay, yeah. Okay. So now looking at present football and seeing all the, the players playing in various positions and how the games progressed even more. Who's your favorite player currently in your position? In my in my position? Yeah. Um currently, man. That you have respect for and you go, I used to do that role and this guy does that very, very well or does it similar to me or better than me or just I just but like, my I, that, it's it's changed now that my position there's, yeah. there's, there's no more five no more six out, five seven defensive midfielders yeah. who are just bashing players and chasing no right. it's, it's a bit different it's I even towards the end of my, of my career actually I remember with the national team uh, Benito he would not play me that position because he he, he, he said it uh, my number six needs to be tall and be, be able to also play center back uh-huh. and so those those are the, the, the you could see that happening throughout Europe like bigger in some ways right exactly and I would have been more of a box to box guy but I but back to your point I mean my my actually my role model in that position was Claude McKellie yeah um yeah, you know, during my career yeah. and when I went to Marseille in in, um, in 97 you know one of one of my my, my, my tasks was to as a ball boy you know, watch Claude McKellie because he was at Marseille at the time. And then he takes off to Celta Vigo, and uh, you know, I watched him from there. And then, then I go to Spain, and when they went to Spain, that was the name of the role. I was going to say, the McKellie McKellie he's role. like the one guy, maybe yeah. ever, that has a, a position named after him. After, which is right, it's phenomenal. Right? Thomas Gravison was close. <laughs> right, but you know what I mean. I mean, he he came just after Makaleli, yeah. right, Gravison, and, yeah. and for a year there, he, I think Real signed Real him for signed like an obscene amount of money to replace Makaleli. I think, didn't yeah, they? they wanted that kind of player, but it, it's it's not that he's not that. No, he wasn't. It was Makaleli. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> interesting that Liverpool have two very unsimilar players playing in that role now in Fabinho and Thiago who I, Thiago, who I really like well Thiago you know what T- today Thiago is my guy yeah Thiago is my he's, guy re- he's, he's my, one he's of my, my favourite players and why is that because I think only people that really understand the game and play the game can really thoroughly appreciate Thiago I can watch and say this guy's a really good player I, I like him but I don't understand the game deeply enough to really appreciate what he does what is it about Thiago that, that you like so much I like, obviously, I've always spoken about players that, that have game intelligence and, and yeah. this guy is, is two steps ahead of everyone else. Um, he's he's always involved with the play, even if he's not involved with the play. I, I, I can't describe that. Like enough. space somehow finds him. Yeah, he's got so he knows that he's, the ball movement. It's it's incredible. And where he puts himself and then and then how and how he executes, you know, there the way he, he's just so graceful on the ball and. He looks so chill, like his father Mazzino, who was, yeah, you know, yeah, that's right, yeah. you know, they played similar type of footballers. And but seeing Thiago do that today in modern day football, and like you said, his intelligence—it's also on another another level. Like I mean, that's that's something I appreciate in football today. Like the the, the intelligence. I mean, we're seeing a lot of you know physical players, fast and strong, and and that's great also to see. But when you see Thiago, and I would love to see how it, how it happens when he's um, in uh, Liverpool. Yeah. To uh, to see how that that unfolds because he did it in, in Spain and he did it in, in Germany, and if he could pull that off again, I mean, I I, I don't see why not because he's in the perfect environment to, to even become better, which is scary. You never you, got the big transfer fee, yeah. strangely enough. It shows you how Brazil produce players as well because they've got Thiago, and then you've got like the big ball, which is Fabinho, who's mm-hmm. the big profile, yeah. six foot two, whatever he is. So he's like, centre back playing midfield, like a freaking wardrobe, you know. But like, <laughs> he's got a nice touch in him. He's that engine up and down. So they kind of really bounce off each other. And I don't know if you can play them both at the same time. That would be interesting. Well, I mean, last week Fabinho is at, at, at centre half, right? Yeah, and so, so different positions. Yeah, they're looking for that profile now. When your centre back gets injured, or you want to revert to a back three. Fabinho can slip in there. I still think Thiago could slip in there because he can play as that that sweeper in between the two centre backs because yeah. he's clever enough. But it's interesting how it's morphed into a different role now, the, apart from the Macaulay role that we always used to know. It, that's it. Are those players are they born though? Are they? Can you coach that? Or is it just yeah, you have it or you you don't have it? I'm assuming it's the latter because there aren't many guys like that around. 
<laughs> well, I think of a guy like Brendan Dunlop, you couldn't. <laughs> no matter no matter what you invested in that guy, <laughs> it's not happening. Uh, all the gear, no idea. Yeah, yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's interesting. Like watching McKellie as a as a as a kid, and that that was my 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 education at the, at the time. You know, when you get to watch players like that. If it's not McKellie, then it's Peter Luxon that that follows, right? Yeah. Like that that was my day to day as a teenager. I think that's up. a problem today. Is that I don't think kids watch no, enough. No, they don't. You it's learn hi- so highlights. much from watching. Oh yeah, they play FIFA. They don't watch FIFA. Right. Yeah, right. but it, but there's things that happen before you got in the get in the field, which is the things like watching because we train at the same training grounds with the first team at Marseille, and you you would see the first team players walking in their kits and all that stuff, and you're just looking at that like, man, I want to be exactly like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And being able to witness that every day, like the behind the scenes, I mean, that's part of the development. Today, you could just flip on a, a highlight reel and you're just going to look at moves and that's it. But there's a lot more that comes with that than just a couple highlights, right? And come up with some of my role as a GM where I got to do my research and they'll send the nice tapes and the, you know, the great plays. But what about the mistakes and who, you know, who you're married to and when, you know, yeah. what, <laughs> what's your, <laughs> right. you know, what's your, your track record, uh, you know, wherever, wherever you've been. Like you need those, the psychological profile oh, yeah. as much as the, the professional totally. athletic profile, right? Totally. Totally. Full package. Full package. Yeah. So was it, was there a league that you, you wish you had tried? Uh, I wish I, I wish I tried the, the prem, but funny enough, I had Tottenham offering me at the same time as, as, uh, as La Coruña and I chose La Coruña because, no Canadian has ever done it, but as well as it was my favorite league in the world. And right. then the names that were coming out of that league at that time, it's it like I have to see these guys. Yeah. If, if I'm on the bench and don't make the 18, I just want to watch these guys play. <laughs> You're marking Zidane, but you could be marking Dickio. So give me a choice. <laughs> I know where I would have gone. <laughs> no, but I, uh, I guess I lived it through my brother. Um, his, his experience at Swansea, I mean, it was great to see that. You know, and then, I mean, that's a league that the entire world knows you know and just to, to to have a family member play there and win trophies and and then play play in a, in a very good team at the time was um it was also kind of my experience and a little, a little bit of it of, of living that of what it's like to be in the prem so but um but i would have loved to definitely if i had if i could i mean to turn back the time and if there was an offer after la Coruña and going to, going to uk and there was actually yeah. um it was wigan that were interested really? at the time, yeah. But that was a good Wigan then too. Yeah, right. It was with the uh, Spanish coach. He was a Roberto Martinez. Martinez. Yeah, yeah. yeah, at the time, yeah. Good team. So, um, but uh, Martinez is called him. Martinez. <laughs> Martinez. <laughs> the English. Martinez. Martinez. Yeah. Well, yeah. How did you like him? He was a good coach. He was a good coach. Yeah, yeah. he was a good coach. He was a good coach, and um, he's with Belgium now. So, right? yeah. yeah, that's right. Well. Didn't work out at Everton so much. But, oh well. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> You're um, around long enough. Your brother's in Germany still, right? Free agent. He's a free agent? Is yeah, he really? Free agent, yeah. Really? Free agent, not yet. Huh. Yeah. I remember... Oh, how old is he now? 32. I, I don't want to hear this. Is he really? 32. 32. Wait. Jesus. Yeah, 32. I feel so Jeez. old. No, 31 actually going 32. That, that whole time when I was interviewing you guys, you know, and you were giving us hints, oh, I think uh, Jonathan, he might be uh, putting the old maple leaf on. I'm like, oh, oh, Twitter explodes, you know, oh, yeah, I've got a scoop here. And oh, man. Didn't happen. <laughs> that, <laughs> was that tough for you? I mean, you're dealing with it from both angles, right? Both Jesus, sides, continuously. I, I it's crazy thinking about that. Like, I was like, why did you put me through that, man? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, you're dead to me again. <laughs> you're on strike two. <laughs> you got one left. One left, son. Nah, he's good, man. That's my brother. I mean, it's it's tough. It was our dream, obviously. We've always wanted to play with each other. Yeah. And um, I think the only time we did it was in a charity match. I was there. I played in it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. You remember? You probably that. don't remember. Oh, Birch, Birch oh, Evans. Yeah. Birch Mountain. <laughs> I did. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> you don't need to ask that question. <laughs> um... But it was it was um, it was tough. I mean, I, my wish was for him to play for Canada one day, and he wanted to play for Canada. But at the same time, young at twelve years old, and I mean, this is a no word of a lie. At the age of like seven, he already has Holland jerseys in his, in his in his room, and he has a Dutch dictionary. So he loved the Dutch football, and that's because we grew up on uh, Bill Culver. Those those training those training tapes that they had, and it was heavily it was all about Dutch football at yeah, the time. Curva. Yeah. So we grew up on that, and and we're watching now some of the highlights of Dutch league and Dutch football, and then seeing like even a young Ajax team win it, and then the, in the Euros, like all those young players. He's like, I want to play f- for Holland one day, and it's like, okay, we'll see. Let's 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 get to work. And um, you fast forward to the time when 
I was hoping for him to come to Canada, and then he had the chance to play for Hall, and I was like, you, you know what? You, you follow your dreams, man. You know, you, you live once. Follow your dreams, and uh, playing for Holland was uh, was a decision you made. And at a World Cup, I mean, and a World Cup, and I went to that World Cup to watch it, and I was like, wow. He he said he was gonna, he wanted to do it, and he did it. He did it. So I mean, yeah. it's a huge story and stuff. Was there any any fight back or pushback from the Dutch, knowing that he was Canadian background, or did they? I mean, at the end of the day, they're not going to care if he performs, I suppose. But was there some challenges there? Um. I mean, I guess. Well, he did play for Holland in the, in the Olympics, so there, it, was, it was already a process for him to play for Holland from the time he was right. So 16. it got to a stage where they just saw him as Dutch. Yeah, like right. Yeah, they they would call him the Dutch, you know, you know right. the Dutch player. Well, he was at the time fluent he, he, in the language. He was fluent, and he 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 went to school there. Uh, right. you know, first car for you know, lots of virginity, everything. Like it's where would he uh, spend when he finally done? Where is he gonna live? Um, I I I really see him living in in Holland. I mean, yeah. he's got his kids there. He, he's happy. His, his son's playing in the same academy he grew up in. Just to watch that unfold for him, I mean, I'm sure it draws tears to his eye, man. Because like, that's that's a trip to see where you started, and now you got you got your little one there, and, he's, and his his guy is 13. I want to say, and he's been there for almost this is eighth year. Wow, with the academy. So wow. it, it's been doing that year to year already. It's it's already in him, right? So yeah. What academy is that, Jules? That he's with? Feyenoord. Oh, he was at Feyenoord as well. Yeah, my dad. Yeah. yeah, at twelve. Yeah, at twelve, and um, so it's it's becoming serious now. And, and I know my brother wants to be close to that, and um, mm-hmm. and uh, which, um, which is a trip to see. But uh, I could see it. And, uh, home for him is right. I mean, he comes back to Canada for a couple of weeks to visit family. Obviously, and he throws camps. You know, and he, you know he loves he loves doing that stuff. But I but I see him spending a lot of time in Holland uh, post career. But not too many many kids in Scarborough like you know going through the nineties watching. Dutch football and studying Dutch coaching journals, right? Where did that come uh, from originally? It it's weird. Uh, well, my dad initially he, he got he, he was trying to train me and make me a better player. Um, and uh, and then by the time I hit thirteen, I would say I, I, that's when I took it to the next level. Where I said, you know what, I'm going to really push myself now. It's, I'm throwing all legs in the basket. And um, at that point, I was already now training my brother, so we would train literally every day, and we we pretty much had our own periodization where. We're gonna train, and then we're gonna watch the reruns of uh, Serie that we taped on Telelatino at the time, and watch the games, and just kind of press pause. What's Theodore gonna do next? You know, just I was talking to a six-year-old like that. <laughs> That's good <laughs> every day, yeah. and um, and you know, if it's not watching, you know, clips on, on them are playing in the basement, kicking around, and we would literally train every day. Our summer holidays, while our friends are having fun in movies and hanging out we would train three times a day and sometimes we would make sure make sure we're on the streets with our our shoes barefoot because we read those stories and on up-and-coming talents from africa or south america that's what they had to go through to make it so we had to kind of imitate that lifestyle and and just prepare ourselves if we really want to if you want to play for the dutch national team or go to europe we got we got to take care of business right now so um hmm. A lot of that was on my shoulders because I needed to make it's it. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. I, I'm crazy. Yeah, I am crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah for so. most people, you go, like, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you play for any any like youth clubs? Uh, yeah, Scarborough North Scarborough. Way? North Scarborough, yeah. yeah. To a certain age? Or did yeah, your brother to, play for them he at played a young for the, age? He played for them as well. And he, and then uh, we made sure he played years up as well. He needed to play. Yeah. So he played for different clubs as well. Played in uh, the Spanish league at Driftwood. Yeah, very good. Um, very good. Yeah, I think that's that's a bit, one of the best places in here to refine your your, your touch yeah. and technique. A- any parent, if you feel you have a kid that loves football, oh yeah, or you feel has an underlying talent, put them in the Driftwood league. Oh yeah, we, we TFC are doing a lot of our scouting. What's it called? The uh, Driftwood. Driftwood league. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Jane Finch. Jane Finch. Yeah. It's a like Spanish league. Well, it's, I wouldn't say Spanish, Latino league. They have Brazilian academies in there. Yeah, Portuguese, Chilean, Spanish, Chilean. But the standard is unbelievable, and it's futsal. It's a futsal league, but for me, that's the best game to develop at a younger age, oh, yeah. especially here in yeah. Canada, where we're fucking under a freeze alert for six months of the year. Yeah, you can go inside and you will see an exceptional. Was Ronaldinho a futsal guy first? Those guys, those guys, that's, yeah, they're, 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 street, yeah. Guys. street guys, yeah. street, yeah, and that, that's what it was. The football was kind of like a street style, yeah, freestyle soccer yeah. type thing, and yeah. the atmosphere was so cool. Yeah. Like the like the parents were so into it, and they're they're, they're passionate, and but to see a, you know be six years old and 
the moment you score a goal, the whole gym erupts. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, wow. And, cool. and they encourage the individual skills. Oh, yeah. they try, you try and beat that guy. Yeah. Do some stupid stuff. Try, try, try. try, try. As exactly. opposed to being Be shut down. Don't do yeah. that because, yeah. you know, yeah. send it into the box instead. Oh, yeah. Right? And Which is sadly, what, uh, maybe less so now, but certainly for a long time, right? Oh, in Canada, man. certainly. Oh, yeah. In, it's, in, it's, in Europe. And that was, yeah. And that's the thing. that We had to create our own, you know, plan to make this work where but now that we spent our weekends at driftwood and then hop back to on the car into at the clearly play at a clearly for for you know a, a weekend league as well and then indoor right indoor, indoor as well boards. yeah and while we're out doing that we've preset our, our vcr Training to record you know, totally to, obsessed to record, oh yeah to record the soccer saturday obsessed we come back the home degree? we're watching There's soccer saturday now you know yeah. graham leggett and we're just catching up on Oh, look at that game! They have this game of the weekends in Spain. We get to watch Atlético mm-hmm. Madrid against Real Madrid. Just maybe like twenty minutes max is what you're getting. So, so kids, kids, let me say, kids nowadays. I hate to say that because I sound so <laughs> fucking old, but I am fucking old. Um, but I mean, are, are they as obsessive? They've got so many things to do now, so many distractions. Yeah. You know, they put in other sports. Are, are there still those kids in Scarborough? Who are like living and breathing every second of their life? Football, 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 football. I hope so. I hope so, and I think there is. I just got to find it. Yeah. But it's 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 so hard to identify too because it's just the it's hard for those kids to walk into academy environments and you know be themselves, pay the fees. Like those are those are hard things yeah. to, to, to work Expenses with. Expenses right? and you know, stuff there's like just it. too many things now that you have to you know take care of before yeah. the kid could get onto the field there's too, mm-hmm. too many roadblocks and uh, as you said you played for multiple teams growing up I you did as well yeah. I played for four or five teams exactly. growing up you can't do that now mm-hmm. whether it be OSA rules whether it be CSA rules whether it be club rules whether it be a sport like my oldest boy had to give up playing football because his ba- he was into baseball as well his baseball team wanted him to train four times a week yeah because like you're making that decision at 13 like is he dead to you now like uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but no it's it's a it's a roadblock which i think we're we're actually harming the development of younger players yeah. Give them the opportunity to go and play with their friends in school. Give them the opportunity to go and play with a local team, whether it be in Scarborough, Brampton, Etobicoke, wherever it is, and then have uh, a youth team that he plays with at the weekend. I mean, I I went to Clairefontaine in France, which is probably one of the best youth development centres in the whole world. They train their players. They've been scouted. They train their players there all week, but then they go home to play with their youth teams at the weekend. And they, they watch these youth team games. They watch certain stuff. And they'll have games with their teams at Clairefontaine once every two weeks, but it's part of their development. And I, I really like that because it kind of it keeps the culture within these kids loving the sport as well. Instead, we're, we're just hammering from, right? stuff. Yeah. 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 I just think, you know, from a finance, financial point of view, I mean, very difficult now, especially in North America. I was reading a great article that Stephen Hart actually sent me from the States. I think I sent it to you guys, just about how if you don't have money and resources, you're not getting to the academies to get yourself to those levels. And most of the communities are are white. It's a very white sport in the States because mm-hmm. you're not giving opportunities. In the States, I would say here, here in Canada, in Toronto, I, w- I wouldn't agree with that. You would think Depends that, where in the States, too. Yeah, right. But you think that the opportunities there for? Well, I look at I look at soccer here in Toronto, and when I go and watch games, uh, I think it's very eclectic. There's there's a huge mix. Oh yeah, of for sure. Players playing, and I know we're in a different community here in Toronto. We're very lucky. It's very multicultural. I'm not sure if it's the same in Vancouver where you come from, Greg, or I, I'm assuming it's the same in in Montreal where there's a big Haitian background. I look at their. Uh, youth teams and they have some fantastic players from either African descent, mm-hmm. Haitian descent, Algerian, Tunisian, French. Yeah. So I think we need to really, really push that even more because the culture is already within them. And now we need to nurture that yeah. and also help our Canadian players that are obviously... And these boys are all born here. Just because you're black, white, Hispanic doesn't mean you're not Canadian. Yeah. So we need to nurture that yeah. and help it develop our players here even more. Yeah. It's definitely different in Canada from that standpoint, but it's still when you're trying to get to certain levels and make certain like academies are expensive. Oh yeah, yeah very. Uh, it's I a business at the end of the day. I, I wouldn't know how my parents would be able to afford that um, if that was the case growing up. I mean, we had fees to pay, but. Where they, uh, you know, at such a crazy price, like 
from for some of the cameos I hear about, I'm like, wow, like that's that's. Yeah. No, they were uh, nowhere near growing yeah, up. You're basically dollars, paying man. for your, I think it was like for referees fees for the year. Yeah, your two jerseys or short, whatever you got, your backpack. What, yeah. It was like a hundred pounds per year that we was paying. It, was, yeah. it wasn't extortionate, and the coaching was all volunteer coaching, whether yeah. it be dads yeah. or friends of parents that played mm-hmm. the game at a decent level. But again, that's different in Europe because we have such a high demand of, of guys or people, that women that want to be involved with the game. Here it's a little bit different because it's still a new sport in my, I know you guys have been here a long time. Yeah. It's a new sport, newish sport. Yeah. That we're still So a lot of the coaches are still the same. They're volunteers, but they have no idea. At grassroots level, yeah, like, for sure. They're like throwing a, a binder and this is how you're going to coach. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> you're right. Because that, that's the thing. We were fortunate enough to also have good coaches growing up. Um, you know, at North Scarborough, we had a, you know, well, very disciplined uh, gentleman who uh, was a father figure to a lot of, of the guys who didn't have fathers. You know, and um, he, he he was uh, he was he was awesome on on that side. And then tactically, he was very good as a coach on the field and sent a lot of players out to scholarships. So, I mean, to have that as you know, growing up as a kid, huge, you know, and also to have you know a very strict program like myself and my brother did for ourselves growing up. I mean, those are a lot of the things you you would love to work with and back to like your point where playing for multiple clubs i remember the story my brother played for i think more than three clubs and got suspended you know they said at the age of 10 you know so like stuff like that makes you scratch your head and like hmm, how, like how is this guy gonna you know make it to europe and that's always been my uh my objective and i uh, made sure that it had to go through me so going to europe was the big step and um you, you had to be very creative those days very creative now it seems like it's laid out for you you know put your kid in this program you pray that he has good coaches. You know, you're, you're getting your return. On it's your less investment. organic, right? But there's more of a pathway now, more pathway, slowly yeah. now. And then with CPL, that's one more step. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I mean, you mentioned earlier in the in, in the chat today how you know when you were coming through, there wasn't a domestic league. No. You know, and how important is it? Do you think now that the CPL has has arrived? Oh, it's huge. We we, we I wish we had this growing up. You know, you know, you could look at, you could watch, you know, your local club or or teams in in the country, um, uh, and say i want to become professional one day at this at, you know at that level but uh never had never had that growing up and it it's hard too because you know you even have the you know mls teams such as tfc vancouver and, and, and montreal i mean the, the amount of the amount of uh canadians that have had the chance of playing these teams and then play for you know world cup teams or canada that's the things that we've struggled with with our country for so many years is getting yourself in club teams getting 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 those games in and we just never had that in our own our own backyard so now we have it today, and it's huge. It's it's great, and you know it just makes it makes it better for uh, our national team to now work with and find more talent, which is probably the most talented uh, era for, uh, for for Canadian soccer at this moment. Mm-hmm. You were still playing a year ago, right? Where on the Tuesday nights leagues? We uh, <laughs> <laughs> play a manager type thing, weren't you, for a while there in, in Ottawa? <laughs> Do you think can you still play at this level now? You look fit. I mean, most most yeah, guys a year fit. out of retirement I, look terrible. You look fit. If you. Uh, I mean, I've played. I played Tuesday nights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, I've gotten, I've, and I've gotten injured. And I've gotten injured. Clearly. And I've gotten injured. Yeah. I've gotten injured. So I'm like, you know, I do not miss getting injured. That's one thing. That's um, true. <laughs> That's the big. The the what I find now because I'm on the field a lot, even with our guys, 18, 19 year olds, and you still think you can keep up, and oh. then it's a sudden movement. And yep. You go, oh, yep. So the mind. <laughs> Thinks you can do it, but the body just shuts you down straight away. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that going to bed most nights. <laughs> and, and, and the Tuesday is supposed to be a kick around, and my problem is I, I, I'm so competitive. Like, yeah. I'm probably the that only doesn't go right. It doesn't go. I'm yeah. still swearing on the field. I'm still kicking water bottles on the side and scaring <laughs> these guys. And and I have to apologize. I say honestly, I'm very sorry, man. Yeah. I like, guess it's, it's just in me to. You're just, fighting not only yourself but you're competing against the other team but you're competing against yourself and then next you know my calf muscle blows i'm like okay now this is (laughs) can't do it i can't do it i'm out (laughs) craig shaking his head remembering him when he had to retire (laughs) it was time (laughs) i think the last game and we we played in a charity game a couple years ago yeah oh yeah oh yeah okay were you there the dero one no i I did the dero one at um at bimo at bimo that that was that was a few years ago yeah. But um, he had another one. I didn't know that. I, he has one a year, Dero. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I never got the call up. <laughs> it was for that tournament. Uh, the 
Sakol? Yeah, I was there too. It was, uh, oh, what was it? Did you hurt yourself? Um, I can't Craig remember. I'm assuming. played well that day. Oh, did he? Really? I huh? was playing against him. I was trying to play. Well, it was Dunlop. I mean, Dunlop had a couple breakaways. <laughs> so he kicked it into the stands, obviously. Well, no, it was just, it was amazing. It was like, he was running in a quicksand. <laughs> and he's approaching me very slowly. They, you they, could read a video. He tried to round me. Yeah. It was like, nah. Do you always play uh, Go when you're playing in exhibitions now? I've never seen you play out, but I know you probably enjoy playing I out. I used to play out. Yeah. I used to like it. But that that's when I had some lungs. <laughs> <laughs> some legs. You know, some legs. And... Do you, enjoy you know what? Yesterday I went for a 10-minute run. Good lad. Oh. I was fucking How long was it supposed shattered. to be? Everything hurt. Where'd yeah. you go? Like around the, around the streets or in the block? He went for milk? a 10-minute run in two minutes. Yeah, just down a trail. <laughs> I yeah. I was going to pick up my, my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I was 10 minutes late. <laughs> so I figured, you know what? I got a little, put on a little 10 minutes here. When you got there, you asked them if you got it free. Well, I, I, I literally, when I got there, I had to sit outside for 10 minutes because I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I didn't want to go in and go, okay, how about, what do I owe you? You guys are doing pretty well for yourselves. I've got a text from my mate, actually, yesterday. Just, uh, just out of the blue here. What is it? And it's, it won't surprise you, anyone. Where is it? My mate, Nige. Uh, you just, Neville Southall is fat, a fat bastard nowadays. The big so, man. That's what yeah. it was. Just Neville Southall. A lot of ex-athletes, ex-professionals let themselves go 100%. Oh, Neville well, Southall. Have we haven't done that yet. Is he Schneider? Wesley oh, Schneider? Is he, is he, oh, is he put the t- weight t- on t- t- Look at yeah, it. Yeah, check yeah. him out. Already? You got it right after. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, big time. No, Eating really. cushions. It'll be like Hazard when he retires. <laughs> the same thing. I thought I thought I was going to get fat after my... Uh, really? Yeah. Still time. I, I just didn't have time to because I went right into GM. So that... that <laughs> With the stress of it as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I think what's the biggest <laughs> thing Jesus, now... Jesus, you're not kidding, are you? Right, yeah. Is that wow. play, when we're playing, people don't understand. You could basically eat what you want. And you're, you're, you're burning it off every day in training. I'm not talking about what you want in... Like, yeah pizza hamburgers every day but you're you're basically training for 90 minutes each day as well as doing your gym work and you're burning off a lot but as soon as you kind of finish playing if you stay on that diet you really have to adjust now imagine doing that for 46 years eating what you want and not exercising that's like most people <laughs> yeah it's true that's right what it is, uh, yeah, I, I'm not making fun of Schneider or, or Southall. I get it, man, because you are disciplined your whole career, right? And yeah, you're you certain wanna, things you can and Well, and you've been told yeah. year in, since you were a little kid that you're, what this is when you show up to train. This yeah. is how you do it. This is how hard you run. And then some guys get to, it's like, ah, get up this morning and nobody's telling it's, me what to like, do. I'm going to exactly. have a freaking yeah, pizza. Yeah. And we're not a couple egg muffins. Yeah. And we're speaking about we're speaking about conditioning, like physical side. We're not even speaking about the mental side of things yeah. of not being in a locker room, being with your fellow teammates, whether you liked them or not, bantering, mm-hmm. being on schedule at a training ground, as you said, Craig. That's all gone. And certain players react to that in a different way as well. They drive to alcohol, drugs, mm-hmm. gambling, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff that really affect you in a different way. And then suddenly you're like 100 pounds overweight or whatever it is and you think fuck my life's going downhill yeah. 200 pounds I've got no friends got no, no <laughs> Jesus Christ Dick you one is going yeah that's that's bad yeah, exactly. that's, 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 that's the forest trifecta <laughs> 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 yeah mate <laughs> <laughs> he's, wow. not, he's not 100 okay. pounds overweight Oh, well, there's that I've got that going yeah, for yeah, me you're still well, At least you're going for runs now, right? <laughs> oh, right Yes, he has the run I'm going to try to go for <laughs> I'm going to try to go for a 12 minute run I, I bike Next a lot. week I bike yeah. a lot Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Me too, I've started biking I, 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 he kills Like my proper hips. biking? I mean, Jimmy Brennan's a big biker, right? Oh, is he? Okay At least he was Last time uh, He was Angels no, no, no! Like, I'll like, pedal. like, like, like her shorts and everything. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. see Jimmy doing that. Yeah, no, it's uh, biking. I mean, Ottawa. It's a, yeah, it's a great, it's great. It's all biking, biking yeah. there too. They have great paths and everything. And uh, you got to, you had to be creative too during this pandemic. So uh, that was the go-to thing. <laughs> you stayed trim yeah. by by biking around. Yeah, yeah. biking. It's odd. But I can't, but to, yeah, but biking's hard. But running for me would be would be a bit too much. Um, uh, the impact on my knees and these are your oh, issues, yeah. Man, yeah. Like Achilles. Like, I had to deal with that my whole career. Mm. Why am I going to bother to deal with it now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Do some low impact. Low impact and... Yeah. My Achilles kill me every morning waking up and yeah. I've never had problems with my Achilles. It's your Achilles heel. 
It's my Achilles heel. <laughs> burning, like burning. And I've never had problems with my Achilles. Oh, well, again, like most of us, everything hurts all the time. I just figure that's just normal. What's burning you at the moment, Shams? Uh, my belly, my, my gut. Yeah, I know. VAR, by the way. Oh. We haven't got time to discuss VAR. Oh, it's not VAR. It's the handball rules issue. Oh, my God. VAR. It's gone. Oh, the handball, the handball where? What's, what do you mean? Well, there's been uh, a whole bunch of this weekend in England. Did you see the one with Dyer yesterday? No, I didn't see it. No, but I've seen some. It was a header. He's challenging for the header in front of the. And the headers come down when he's and hit his arm here, and he's not even looking. He's challenging like that. And the guy behind him heads it, hits his, his arm, arm, goes to VAR, and it's like, well, he has no idea that hit him. Like, but it's an unnatural silhouette. Yeah. You know, the rule like, like, where it is. Like, unnatural. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so strange to me because we, we've had our gripes with VAR for the last year or so, where how long it's been in for. And it's more the rule, I think. Yeah, it's like. They're actually punishing the unavoidable now. Where, as you said, the dire thing, he's not even looking at the ball. Yeah. How are you meant to elevate yourself with your hands by your side like a pencil? Yeah. Well, you um, know, it's, it's amazing. Steve Bruce, who the Newcastle manager who benefited from that call this weekend, yeah, he came out post match and goes, you know, it's ridiculous, this rule, and it is hurting our game. So he benefited from it, and he's hammering the rule. Mm-hmm. So it is like, what it is. Like Roy Hodges say, if it's, if it's an intentional yeah, handball, that was a bad yeah, one as well. If it's not, then the old it's intent, not. You know what? It's, it's been, we've been arguing handball rules for years now. Every year they, they, they play and around they, with the rule a little yeah. bit, and it's never right. It never used to be wrong, I don't think, was it? I don't remember. It wasn't it quite the same, as bad. It wasn't as bad. No, it wasn't, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Listen, we're out of time. We've got to go. Uh, Jules, thanks awesome. so much, mate. For yeah, thanks, Jules. Thanks, guys. That was really fun. Yeah, awesome, good man. luck thanks. with Barry. Thank you. We'll thank you. Thank you. Closely. Thank you. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. Awesome. Yeah, Appreciate it. Good, good, good chat, boys. All right, everyone. This has been Footy Prime. My thanks to Amsterdam Brewery, to DeanBlundell.com. Uh, we're back, same time, same place next week, which will be, right. assuming we get this far, our, our one-year anniversary. Ooh, we made it this far, boys. Congratulations. And we're going live, apparently, <laughs> I'm being told now. Are we really? Stream it. On, on where? On Facebook or on uh, Insta? Twitter, Instagram. We want at least Facebook, but we're going to get it. Oh, yeah? 100%. All right. Good stuff, guys. All right, cool. All right, see you then, boys. Bye. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com slash safety. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.